0: Yo, yo, yo. What's good? It's your boy, Roy. And this is another episode of Sync Gems. Today, we have Rashad Richardson. Rashad is the music licensing executive for Madden Flow Entertainment, MFE. Rashad has been through it all. He has done three different internships in supervision and A&R and has worked in the likes of BMG, ASCAP, and he also climbed his way up in Universal. He tells this all in his story uh, in more detail, but in this podcast, we get into what is a sync agency? What do sync agents do? What are their interests? How do they want to receive your content as creators, as composers. So we get into the nitty gritty of that, um, aside from getting into how much publishing agencies usually take, how they operate, and what one needs to actually be an agent. So I think this is a super duper important podcast to get into Tune in to take out your pen and paper and really write down notes. I have had so many takeaways from this podcast and from Rashad. I'm so grateful that he was here to give from his time and energy because he's amazing. You'll hear that. If you want to support this podcast, please, you know what to do. Go ahead, rate, review it wherever you are. Spotify, Apple, Google, Tinder, I don't care where you are at. Just rate the podcast in your mobile device. This really helps get the podcast into more ear holes and also share the content on socials. If you find uh, a gem that I put up on at Sync Gems um, valuable for you, just go ahead and share it with your people. Um, That shows the love and I really acknowledge that and respect that and it helps me keep going so without further ado Rashad Richardson
1: Rashad Roy what's happening
0: what is happening
1: all is well on this end um you know just uh navigating the waters as usual
0: let's go that's that's good um Man, you have such an impressive bio, I have to say. And um I, I wanna I wanna start by asking you about your story and how you uh came to be where you are today.
1: Awesome. Um Whew, I, I guess I'll do like a medium version. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off maybe starting at Berkeley because I feel like Berkeley is very important. Um, so, at Berkeley, it's a college of music up in Boston. I study music business there. And, um, and you know, like during that time as a music business major, they uh, require that you take at least one internship. Uh, I actually loved interning so much. I took three internships. Uh, one was at a pretty uh, like boutique kind of um, consulting agency uh, uh, called Ask, Ask Darcy Management. Shout out to Darcy. Um, from there, uh, the, the next two were with major publishers, one being BMG Chrysalis, now just known as BMG in New York. Um and last but not least, uh, ASCAP. And ASCAP was in uh, Los Angeles, uh, studied there. So, um, and I guess I should say, with uh, BMG, I did like creative A and R interning, and with ASCAP, I did rhythm and soul interning. Which rhythm and soul is pretty much like R and B, gospel, hip hop, uh, all of those, you know, quote unquote, black genres. Um, there are dedicated members at ASCAP that are creatives, like creative executives that that help, you know, uh, be matchmakers in a way, help put different ASCAP writers in a studio with ASCAP producers. And and um, it's, it's actually really cool. I feel like a lot of people aren't even aware of how much of a resource their PRO might be to them, um, especially if they live in a major city. But um aside from that, I won't get too carried away with there. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, of all my internships, like interning in New York, interning in LA, I knew that LA had that, just the vibe, the vibe of the city is what I knew, like, I wanted to just thrive in. Like, and mind you, when I interned out here, I didn't have a car, didn't really have money. Um, So I just knew that for as much fun as I had I should not have had as much fun as I had to be as broke as I did and as carless as I did at that time but it was just such a magical like summer with with all the things that happened. I just knew like if I came out here and got paid an actual salary, like the world is you know endless as far as like the level of happiness I felt I would have you know being able to to really multiply on or build on what what I built you know, with the very limited resources um, as an intern. So needless to say, um, after graduating Berkeley, I decided to stay in Boston an extra year and save up. Uh, so I saved up. Um, also, I decided to go to L.A. with a car. So not only did I save up just to have a savings, but I saved up to, to buy a car as well. After, you know, achieving both of that, that took about a year, I went ahead and um and really took that leap of faith. And I say that because as you know, some people are probably familiar with that term. Most people come to LA without a job secured. And and you know, especially the people not in the music business, like I feel like that's like almost preposterous to move to a city without a job secured. But it was almost a necessity for like to be you know, living on the East Coast, but want an L.A. creative job. Like, and needless to say, it's, it's actually kind of cool to do this, but to put a scope on things, now Zoom is so normal. Back then, like, it, it would have been preposterous to say, hey, can I do an interview and, and just do it on video? Like, like it, that wasn't even a, a thought. Like, that, that just would have been laughable back then. So it's it's kind it's wild how the world has changed and let me just give a timestamp. Uh, I moved to LA in uh, March 2014. So so pretty much we're closing in on it on a decade of you know how much time has changed since then and a whole pandemic later. Um, but yeah, so so needless to say, moved out here without a job. Um, did kind of temp job to temp job. One of the highlights of. My uh, temp job journey. Oh, I should mention, uh, I did entertainment temp jobs within the entertainment industry, and um, so needless to say, um, I got set up at Beats by Dre before they got bought out by Apple. Um, So I really love that. Still, even has some free headphones collecting dust somewhere. Um, I another the other one that really led to my whole career that I am now is Universal Music Publishing Group. I started there through the temp agency. And, um, and you know, when I got that gig, I just decided to really not squander that opportunity. And, you know, like, while I feel like the average person hops on their phone a couple times while they're working at a desk job at a cubicle, um, or whether they just daydream for a second, I really made it a mission to minimize any distractions and just do what was ever whatever was asked efficiently and quickly and uh, it got to a point where they offered me a full like an official job to be an employee as opposed to just working as a within the temp agency and they high they offered it so fast to me that the temp agency and this is what I realized that temp agencies aren't really your friend like that. But they offered me the job so fast that the temp agency was like, we're not going to let you hire him right now. He still needs to work through the temp agency for at least three months before you can hire him. And I was just like, yo, what? Like, I literally have a job offer and like can't be an employee. So I literally had to continue working as a temp even though I was already hired, um, which was a challenge in itself, like maintaining that hard work ethic. I'd worked for like That first month straight. Uh, Like, because now I had to maintain that knowing the job is mine, but I still had to keep that up. So that's um, hilarious to think about. And I guess also a side note is, you know, when you really bust your ass for an employer, um, it's really great to make sure you can sustain whatever ass bussing you're doing, (laughs) because you don't want to, you know, back off too much from that, or I guess dip down too much from that productivity level. Um, but yeah, needless to say, uh, universal started off at the royalty department. That's where I got my temp job. And then that's where it became the official job. And, um, the whole scope of things was, um, I was at universal for about five years and the majority of that. Well, no, I say about a little over half of that time was at royalties because I got my foot in the door there and did good there um and it just seemed like well by the time i realized that i wanted to work in sync uh cuz you know at this point i'm having lunch i'm going to holiday parties i'm having lunch i'm bumping with all the people in the sync department um by the time i realized i wanted to do it though i was already getting promoted so quickly within the royalty department that the salaries that I was able to demand as a royalty person, trying to go lateral to the sink department would have required like a 10K to 15K dip in salary. And that was just a big issue for me. And I kept running into that over and over. Um, Every time I would apply internally for something, either A, I wouldn't get an offer. And by the time I got an offer, it just it would always come down to the taking a a money hit, I mean a, a salary hit, and for some reason it just it didn't really sit right with me because uh, you know I just felt like I did enough um, to to deserve to not get paid less to to do what I'm passionate about. Um, so that being said, where do I go from here? I you know so at this point I tried doing external things to, to help qualify me. Uh, One of the main things was um, getting tapped in with the Guild of Music Supervisors. Um, So, you know, they would have different social events, different awards, kind of soirees or whatever for the music supervisors. So, um, so tapping in there, networking, I cross paths with Jim Malone, set up a informational interview with her, and mind you, at this point, I was on an informational interview tear. Uh, I was, you know, informational interviewing, um, you know, the head of creative at, at Universal Music Publishing Group um, and pretty much that entire department of creatives uh, all, the way, all the way up. And I think a lot of people are still there. Marnie Condros, is the main one. She's still there and, you know, still heads pitching at UMPG. Um, but that being said, the overall consensus that pointed always uh, everywhere, uh, everyone would say, take the um, music supervision course at UCLA. And um, so, you know, I did that. And at the time, it was Rudy Chung who uh, taught that course. Um, for those who don't know, shout out Rudy, by the way. Uh, he founded Hit the Ground Running, which is a music supervision agency that did, you um, entourage they did silicon valley um even even more recently he did the that iconic documentary uh for michael jordan save the last dance um so yeah that being said he uh uh recently switched over to become the head of music at netflix so he's the head of all original netflix films and um Yeah. So, needless to say, you can probably already imagine he was a wealth of knowledge. I was able to learn a a lot about um, the music licensing and creative music licensing scope of things as a whole. And I think it's really important to bring up the this course because up until this point, I always knew, like, I was well aware of you know sync pitching music, um, music supervisors, like all that stuff. I was aware of, but the one glaring thing that I was not aware of was sync agencies. I had no clue like what sync agencies were, um, like who the most prominent sync agencies um, were at the time, let alone like their whole premise and concept. Like, like I had no clue that they were covering this whole ground um, for, for primarily indie artists. So, so um this class really kind of opened my eyes up to that. And um I would say even beyond that, it's all, also important to note that as I was like running into um frustrations with um with you know getting a job to pitch music, I had a coworker um named Satya. Shout out to Satya who's also now at Netflix. Um, but she actually founded a sync agency called Yellow Tone Music. Um, and so that was around like, I think 2018, 2019. And she actually offered me a job there. She was just like, Hey, like, I know you want to pitch music and I know you can pitch music. How about you come with my boutique sync agency that I'm building? So, so that's actually how I was going to get my like first start within like sync agency work is is uh, working for Yellowtone. I even still got like headshots dressed in all yellow. Um, uh, but that being said, before I could even pitch my first song at Yellowtone, I got an external job offer at a company called Anthem Entertainment, which is formerly known as Olay Media. And whoever, you know, a lot of people probably aren't going to be familiar with that name. So the next thing I usually say is they have Timberland's publishing catalog, or at least a majority of Timberland's publishing catalog. So um, so you can already imagine uh, when they gave me a, the job offer, the job offer was, this is another thing that I'll point out. They gave me what I was desiring, like from the bottom of my heart to pitch music. And even better yet, not get paid less to creatively pitch music. They matched my Salary that actually they slightly exceeded my salary that I was making at Universal, so um, so at that point it felt pretty much like a dream job being able to, um, pitch Timbaland's catalog as well as you know everyone he's collaborated with, and even beyond that, they have Brush, the rock band up in Canada, they have their publishing, so it was a lot of different um, a lot of different more well-known songs that I could work with and pitch. And to also give you a timestamp at this point, this was like early summer of um, late spring, early summer of 2019. So um, Power, if you're familiar with Power 50 Cent series, the OG one, uh, that that was running strong. And also Empire was like kind of big, but fizzling out at this point. But I know a lot of people were you know, on the Empire train at one point or another. Um, but those are the kind of shows that I were that I was, you know, pitching to at that point in time. Um so all that to say, uh, I'll wrap it up with this last leg of where I'm now, which is um which is pretty much at, at Anthem Entertainment. I was able to kind of understand the lay of the land even more and even better than that, they acquired a sync agency while like Maybe a couple of weeks before I got there, uh, the sync agency was called Lip Sync. Um, shout out to Lauren Harmon. Um, so I was able to basically get creative experience pitching at a larger publisher with with you know well known songs, but also I was able to see the inner workings of a very extremely successful sync agency. Um, And really get the best of both worlds, like all the red tape that that was, you know, on a major publisher side, then all the innovative, almost like the equivalent of like the guerrilla warfare kind of tactics just in the sync space. Because as you can probably imagine or know, like, you know, sync agencies are smaller, so they're lighter on their feet and they're usually more desperate and willing to to jump through hoops that major labels aren't so i was able to kind of see those methods and um even more important than that still see you know what rules can be bent and what rules can't and um and also as far as like what kind of standards are across the board as far as like metadata and all that but um that being said i say all that to say let me wrap it up um I felt like I had enough experience at that point to take that knowledge and to take the relationships that I built over that time and infuse that into co-founding Madden Flow Entertainment. So this was like um, at this point, this was a few months that that I um, you know felt that confident and went ahead and pulled the trigger on that. And um, yeah, I, we can dig into it a bit more, but the short and wrapped up version of this is ever since late October, 2019 to now it's, it's been Madden flow entertainment and we've kind of evolved from a sync agency to, um, a custom music house sync agency and music supervision all rolled up into one.
0: Sheesh, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. So much, uh, to go for. And I- I'll give you actually the, um... I'll give you the opportunity to choose because there's so many things that came up. One is your hustle. I don't know where the hell it came from, like or your okay. your passion with this uh, uh, with the subject of music. you know, it is very, very important to know that people in your position have that passion. You know, and you're a living testament to it. Just like uh, the way you talk about it shows that you are fully immersed and willing to give your all into this. I um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is uh, that I want to to go from there to is how how what what is the main difference that you see between sync agencies and labels. And because there are people that are hesitant to go work with agencies because they're smaller again. And another question, I mean, you can choose, pick and choose from what I'm going to ask. But what is a day in the life of somebody who's pitching songs look like in an agency? And what, I mean, it can go from... The question of what is an agency exactly, and yeah, just if you can, if you can start by what is actually a music agency. What is in the core uh, a music agency?
1: Sure, a music agency is. It can be comprised of literally one person. It can be comprised, in our case, of about five people plus interns. Um, that being said, it usually entails uh, people who have a thorough knowledge of the workings of licensing copyrights um it, it is like of the utmost importance it that you know who you know whoever is running the agency knows all of the terminology they know at least the majority of the nuances or i guess i should say they know enough of the foundation's to where they can adapt to the nuances that are going to pop up, um, and those nuances can be anything from realizing that realizing that there was a missing writer in in a, in a song, and now you need to account for that, and um, I would say an endless amount of more like fires that that can pop up. And I guess I would say it's the equivalent of, you know, just, you know, saying, hey, I'm an agency and not really having any solid experience and in, in in licensing music is the equivalent of saying I'm a truck driver and hopping in uh 18 wheeler and not knowing how to drive stick. Like that's it, like a catastrophe is bound to happen. And um <laughs> and in both scenarios, somebody's about to pay a lot of money. Um you know, so, so, um, in damages, but, um, let me see what else I feel like an agent. Let's go, let's go back to that music agency. It's also, I talked about the personnel a bit, but it's really about assets as well. It's about, um, a catalog of music. And I would say for the most part, agencies, their job is to literally be, Agents to real living, living, breathing artists and bands, like like it's you know most artists and bands, um, they want to be just that, like an artist in a band, and really focus on that artistry. And um, I feel like a music agent's job is to, for as much as a artist or band wants to, you know, be in a studio until two a.m. Uh, crafting their hit, I feel like it's a music agency's job to be up until two a.m. researching the lay of the land, researching um, how whoever they're representing, like where is their market, and even more than that, uh, either you know establishing connections with the music buyers, and we can go more into that term of music buyers at any point in the conversation but um but really establishing those relationships with them you know whether that's like you going on the ground and meeting for coffee whether that's you going on the ground taking someone out for drinks whether it's you being present at the different sync community kind of hangouts where all of the music buyers are are hanging out um it's it's a lot that that goes into that, but uh, let me recap really quick. So, music agency—you got to know how to license. You got to actually have copyright owners that you're an agent for, and beyond that, you have to have relationships with music buyers so that you can pitch those copyrights to those projects that the music buyers are working on. Uh, so, I think those are the top three points there, and um. And from there, I guess I can also differentiate uh, between a a music agency versus a label. That was the question you had, right? Yes, sir. Cool. So, yeah, I would say the main difference uh, between a label and an agent is a label is a copyright owner on the master side. Um, Nearly all labels, like, fully own the master, 100%. And then you know there's still the publishing side that the the artist may or may not still control, or the or the band may or may not still control. Um, but that being said, I think that's important to note because, like, while a sync agent and a label are different, there's always a scenario in which depending on how big or known that sync agency is or how much pool they have, that sync agency can literally be a sync agent to a label. And that's actually the case with our company. Like we are a sync agent to a few labels. I think the most notable one would be Slip and Slide Records in Miami. They have um, Trina, Trick Daddy, Rick Ross, um, Plies, they, they have like all, like all those like big records that were like hot in, I think like 2005 to 2009. Um, they have like a lot of those, um, you know, records as well as still like current, um, Miami artists. But, uh, so, so that's the case right there where that label can have a sync agent like us come in because, Hey, there, there isn't any competition. We, we own our masters. So, so, you know, you can go out and try to pitch our master if you like. Um, cool. Um, or I shouldn't even say try, but you, but we can authorize you to pitch our master as our agent. Um, so there's that. Let me, and I feel like, and this is where I should also go back to the comparison. Most sync agencies do not own any copyright. We are merely authorized to license the copyrights. And I think this is another difference right here, too, is most sync agents specialize in one-stop music, meaning, you know, they can um, license both the master side and the publishing side. And the difference therein lies that a label usually only controls the master, so they can't really go to, you know, a particular music buyer and say, hey, all of our stuff is one-stop. They can really only say we can clear the master side and and we can point you in the right direction to get the publishing cleared because we obviously know at least one of the people who, you know, control publishing on on the record. Because and I'll explain a bit more, you know, one song could have four five writers. So it's, a, it's just a chance that, you know, whoever that artist is assigned to that label collaborated with, you know, four or five other people. So therefore, you know, that label probably only signed one person or that one artist. Um, so therefore, they have the whole master and maybe can and know about maybe like 25 percent of the publishing. And they might not have any clue about where to go for the other. You know, I guess in that case, 75 percent remaining. Um but yeah, I think those are some uh, main differences for the most part. I think the biggest difference and takeaway. Um, just to recap, label usually controls the master sync agencies Sync agencies usually have no control or ownership over the copyright.
0: Mm. That's so interesting. It's so it's so much to um, to to consider. Right, there are. Uh, from what I know, again, there are sync agencies that also support labels. Like they take artists, um, uh, they take artists from a label, let's say Hive and Position Music, something like that, where Position Music takes uh, artists from Hive and then they put their stuff in sync. Like they work in tandem to them. Um, so I mean, like the from what I understand. The artist side, if you want to be an artist and and do the artist grind, then a sync agency would be a way better route to go than signing your tracks in a label because it's exclusive. Um, what is your take on that? And what do you think most people don't know about these sync agencies?
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know what? It really I, I hate to be vague and kind of Confucius-like, but it really comes down to uh, each individual and and also who on the other end has you know leverage and pull. Because I, I guess I'll I'll say this. It's, it's hard to generate generalize saying, you know, sync agencies would be, you know, more artist friendly versus, you know, going into a label deal. And mainly I say that to say you can go into, perfect, I'll, I'll go ahead and just create a hypothetical. You can go into a situation as an artist with a non-exclusive sync agent, meaning you can do whatever else you want with your catalog, you're free to roam, and I'll even make the deal sweeter. Most sync agents that feel like the industry standard is usually a 50-50 split on commission. Um, so, you know, meaning, you know, when you get a sync for 10K, that sync agency is going to take 5K, you and your collaborators split the other 5K, but I'm going to make the deal sweeter. You know, we can reduce the commission. Uh, this hypothetical sync agency is willing to offer you 25% commission as opposed to the 50% commission as usually more of the industry standard. Um, so, you know, keeping this whole scenario in mind. You have a label that's uh, going to take 100% of your master. You keep your publishing. And even beyond that, if you're collaborating with more people, you're splitting the publishing. Um, verse, so you have that on one hand where, you know, every sync fee. So let's go with that $10,000. Let's say you just collaborated with one other person. In that label deal where they're taking 100% of the master and then in the publishing side, you're only having 50%. That leaves you with $2,500. So $2,000, $500. That's all you're getting off of that $10,000 example. We landed you in um, a Fast and Furious movie. It was $10K. You're walking away with $2,500 in that label deal. Um, So, you know, this is where I'm trying to make my point in the sense of. For that, for that, you know, sync agent or that agency that's coming out of, out of nowhere saying, hey, we'll, we'll only take 25% so that we can rep you and you can be un- non-exclusive. If they don't have relationships with Fast and Furious the way that label does, then it's really not going to matter that you have this cool reduced commission. But uh, I think so. I think that's just the important part is really weighing like how much pull does this person have? Because obviously in that scenario, it's even though you're getting a fraction out of what this sync agency is offering you, like I'd rather get a fraction out of a consistent 10k placement every couple months than to get 75% of maybe one random placement a year if I'm lucky, or you know just one wild card that happened to work. Like, like I, I'd rather go with the the consistency. So, um yeah, that's where I'll, you know, leave it on that subject.
0: Yeah, consistency is key. And you said something so important, like, again, doing the groundwork and the research about the people who you are working with, which is, it just doesn't, it's just um, something that is not... I hate the word research just because I'm a musician. I feel like like I'm an artist, and and artists don't want to research for some reason. I'm just generalizing. Yeah, it's just I'm saying it about myself. Um, but legwork is so important here because if you if your agency does power and I'm and I'm uh, um, I'm giving you perhaps hip-hop that's a bit edgy or a bit weird, then that can maybe work. But if I'm, again, if I'm pitching you folk, it's just not gonna work. And it's uh, and it it might once in a blue moon, but just being able to do that research is, is so key and do the legwork. What is something that you want to see artists do more of when they approach you?
1: I would say what I would love to see when artists approach me is definitely go through the right medium first of all, like um, I guess I guess I don't have it in my bio, but I feel like uh, most people drop a DM in Instagram um, or you know most people will drop a message on LinkedIn. but if you know people could actually visit the website and submit through the you know submissions link, it pretty much already lays out everything that I would like to, you know, get when being approached, which is a, you know, drop a couple of streaming links of, of your work. But even beyond that, please tell me like where you're from. Like, tell me a bit of your background and a bit of your story. Uh, just because a lot of the, you know, opportunities we get, we get really like geographic specific requests, like, hey, we need rappers from Texas for this project. Or, you know, we need um, r and artists from Mississippi from this project. So, so you know, um, even if we don't like, even if we go through the submissions and don't necessarily sign you right away, there's still a chance that we're in desperation mode because we got asked for something so niche that we go back to submissions and just type in keywords like Mississippi or Dallas just to see what pops up. So, you know, if you type in, you know, say one of those keywords when when you submit it, nine times out of ten, we're going to see it and hit you up on a quick turnaround of like, hey, you know, we love this song, that song. Can we include that on our pitch that's going out?
0: Amazing. That's That was amazing. Like, give the people who you are working with the opportunity to give you work.
1: <laughs> right.
0: This is basically it. Like being able to give them the metadata so when they need you, they can call you is a huge, 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 huge gem you've just dropped here out of nowhere. So
1: appreciate that, man. That's
0: courage. It's
1: sync gems, bro. I gotta give you something.
0: Yes. Um wow. Um man, I, I, I can I can literally I feel like I can go go for hours with you and um I want to I want to just keep it short and sweet this time and perhaps uh get back for round two when we're uh the connection is better for us and when we can perhaps we can meet, meet when I can when I come to LA in October. Um and we can chop it up live. And um yeah, what's what's the last piece of advice you wanna you wanna give give people here?
1: Got it. Um so and, and just to just to confirm, this advice is mostly for indie artists.
0: Well, I would say composers and indie
1: artists. Got it. Um huh. Some advice I would give is you know, really always try to interject yourself in in everything you do and what makes you unique in everything you do. But as you remain true to yourself, try to be ever-evolving and try to also survey the land, like, survey the trends. And um, and really, as you see what trends are happening, try to reverse engineer what made that trend work. Like, what, what about that music trend, um, you know, makes makes it pop and what makes the world gravitate toward that specific sound or that specific mix. Um, and then from there, just try to you know integrate elements and in, into what you already do naturally and what makes you, you as a you know, composer or artist, um, really infuse it. And, and at that point, you just will have something that's original and undeniable. Um, and, uh, it was something else I wanted to touch on. I think, uh, the other thing I was going to say, it's a lot, but, but I guess I'll just wrap it up by saying, you know, really try to find an ecosystem. Um, and I guess this is more for artists. Well, actually, yeah, artists and producers alike, try to find an ecosystem. It's, it's real easy to, you know, um, try to tackle everything at, well, to attempt to tackle everything. But at a certain point, if you're seeing success, you're going to want to scale. And, um, the best way to scale is to, you know, really have people on your team that not only are good at what they do, but they're passionate about what they do. So, um, To you know, just to give you a more specific example, if you're a rapper and you want to do trailer music, instead of trying to produce your own beat or, um, you know, try to, I don't, well, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Instead of trying to like, you know, produce your own beat, like, really try to connect with someone who specializes in trailer music and preferably in mixes as well. And, um, And beyond that, you're going to probably have time. If you're a male artist, you're probably going to have time where you're seeing a brief that's for female artists. Um, So I think that's also just important that it's a team. So in situations like that, there's a switch off to where, you know, at least as far as sync goes, it's always going to be specific criteria. You want to be able to hit all the criteria that's coming across your desk, but not only just hit it, but hit it efficiently. So, um yeah, that's where I'll leave it is, is if you don't already have like a team, it's going to be great in the long run to develop a team and preferably, you know, uh, just a relationship where everybody can share in the copyright. So no one's coming out of pocket to pay each other.
0: Yes, yes, that's huge, man. Um Thank you so much for coming on, man. Where can people where can people connect with you? Where can people find more about your agency work and uh, about your work? Where they can where the, where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, I would say the the best way now we're we're you know kind I'm kind of flooded as far as like corresponding through Instagram. Also, it's it's kind of rough for me to. Correspond through LinkedIn, so I would say feel free to to definitely at least c- you can connect with me there for sure. Uh, we can follow each other, etc. Um, so I'll still give you the handles: LinkedIn Rashad Richardson, um, Instagram Shad the Sink Place, the Sink Placer. So that's S H A D T H E P L A C E R. Shad the Sync Placer. So but most importantly, like if, if you want to actually work, I would say uh visiting our website at Maddenflowentertainment.com and uh going through the artist submissions, label submissions uh tab. And um and from there, you know, we check through everything that comes through. Um and uh there's one more thing I'll say too, um, as you know, as as far as like uh connecting with us that I think one of the greatest ways to connect with us is to connect through people we already work with. So, you know, if you just even stalk our Instagram page for a second, our Instagram page is MFE sync. Um, and that's, uh, MFE S Y N C. Um, you'll, you'll see, we, we tag all the producers that, that we get placements with. We tag all the artists we get placements with. Um, so so from there you can like really just add anyone that you that you see we've gotten a placement with and and you know try to collaborate with them. So as soon as you're collaborating with them they're already signed to us and working with us. So as as we continue to send our artist briefs lo and behold we're going to eventually get a song where you're a collaborator on and then we're going to by Osmosis have to you know sign you to the company as well so that we can represent that song in full to our, um, clients. So, yeah.
0: A hundred percent, man. Thank you so much for coming on and giving your time and energy to this. This was amazing in my opinion, and people are going to get so much value out of this.
1: Awesome, man. I appreciate your time and your patience. Yo,
0: how dope was that? I'm telling you, I, I I took so many notes after this podcast. It was crazy. If you want to see what I like the most from this podcast, then go ahead and follow SyncGems at SyncGems on Instagram. And I post all the gems that I thought were valuable there. And yeah, we can have a conversation there. Don't forget to rate and review it wherever you are listening. Again, this really helps to bring in more amazing guests and to show me that y'all are loving these Saint Gems. So I'm sending you love, get energies. Peace!